Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, be prepared to experience Christmas made new. Enjoy the message. Well, it's good to be with you here on this Christmas Eve. Can you believe it? Christmas Eve, and I'm going to tell you, um, this is the coldest Christmas Eve I can remember, all right? Yesterday, it was negative 10. On a cold winter, you might get that in the end of January, but we have a nice little early Christmas present. And I want you to know uh, that we've had teams just making sure that this can be ready for you. Uh, We have teams that were scooping the snow and then the wind would blow it right back over. Uh, Of course, you know, when it gets cold, you know what ends up going out? We've had people fighting the furnaces, just like in in the Christmas story movie where old man was fighting the furnace. We have people fighting the furnaces here. But we're just happy that we can be here this afternoon through it all, through whatever you bring with you, that we can say, you know what, Lord, we believe that you are in charge, you are all-knowing, the creator God today uh, wants to take your burdens. And you know what? We made it through that snowstorm. What kind of a lousy snowstorm was that, right? But we can't contend with the cold that got us on that one. And no matter what, it just doesn't seem like you can quite prepare for when winter wants to hit. But at least it's going to be a white Christmas. Amen, church? Yeah. Well, you know, Alice and I, we started our Christmas season. Um, it was 80 degrees warmer a few uh, weeks ago. Alice and I bought a cruise in 2020, got it for dirt cheap, and so we ended up taking it the day after Thanksgiving, and it was a nice 85 degrees, all right? And so this is really uh, just shocking us. But while we were in uh, Hawaii, uh, we noticed that uh, something magical happened. A volcano decided to explode. You may have heard that on the news. A volcano decided to explode. Uh, Nobody was ready for this. It had been 40 years since the last eruption. Uh, And in these 40 years, people became complacent. Uh, They were were like, "Uh, you know, we know the experts are saying this thing could erupt at any moment, but not in our lifetime. And so when it happened, people went crazy. They thought, they, they just were like, what is happening here? And again, here's some of that. We were able to see it right outside our window. There is uh, one picture of it, and of course, people had to get up close. We had to get a close shot of that. Uh, these, these, this volcano caught people off guard. Uh, they were wondering, would they need to evacuate? Uh, they were wondering, uh, is, is this going to be something they're going to have to leave the island? But after a display of this, they realized it's not really going to harm populated areas. So uh, the, the complacency turned to fear, not knowing what was going to happen. But then when the fear went away because they realized it wasn't going to go over the roads or the homes, it turned into awe. And it was. Uh, I've never seen a, a, a volcano erupt before. And I want to tell you, you just kind of stand there and look at it like, whoa, this is crazy. And so I started talking to some of the locals, and they're like, this is crazy. It's like, this is crazy. We didn't have words to describe what we were looking at. And I kid you not, I began to have people explain the volcano as a spiritual experience. They began to talk about the volcano as if it was some kind of God and some kind of sign. I kid you not. I even had one person come up to me and say, do you feel the energy? Do you feel just that we're all part of this energy? And I, I was like, No, I I don't. That's really cool, right? But what ends up happening is this, is that sometimes the things that make us awestruck, we begin to misplace our worship and our affections for that thing. And Christmas reminds us is that whatever we're in awe with, whenever we're enamored with, I want you to know that thing is going to want you to worship it. But there's only one thing that is worthy of our worship and our praise, and it's King Jesus. 
And I think it's fitting that a volcano blew up it during the Christmas season because it reminded me exactly what happened on the first Christmas season. It caught people off guard. Uh, it made people a little bit scared. And it turned some people into worshipers. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These shepherds, these people, they heard about all these prophecies about a coming Messiah, coming Jesus, but they're like, eh, not in our day, but when it happened, they were terrified. What is happening? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, the Savior was born for you as the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem to see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the messages that were told about this child. And all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating upon them. Christmas celebrates the most amazing thing. It's something that we can, the message of Christmas is something that we so easily can become complacent to. It's something that when you begin to realize God is real in your life, you begin to fear uh, what's gone on in your life and you, you begin to fear what God may do. But I want you to know today, I want us to all get to that point of amazement and awe. When Christ was presented to a weary world, it caught everybody off guard. Some didn't make room because they didn't want to make room for him. And my question, and I think it's the question that we can ask ourselves, as, as this world begins after two years to get back in some sort of normalcy, we have to really ask ourselves, are we making room for God in our everyday life? That's what Christmas is asking us. Are we making room for God in your marriage? Are you making room for God in your workplace? Are you making room for God in every aspect of your life? And I'm not just talking about making room. Are you allowing God to lead you in all these areas of your life? Now, I realize some of you are here tonight. It's the first time that you've been in church in a long time. And I want you to know this message is just as much for you. It's for all of us. Where is God in your life? Where is God in your life? Through everything in your life, the reason we celebrate Christmas, the reason you have hope, the reason why you can find joy even when life seems upside down is because of what we, what the shepherds, what the wise men discovered in the manger. You may come here tonight with so many questions of why. Why in this last year did this, this certain things have to happen? Why did this certain person have to depart? Maybe, the, maybe this Christmas is incredibly hard because somebody is not here to, to celebrate Christmas with you. They, maybe they passed on in this year. Maybe you're looking ahead in the next year and you're, just, you're not filled with hope with your job or with your relationships. And you're just asking why. It's heavy. And I want you to know Christmas is a season for us to remember. Not just for a day that we celebrate tomorrow. For us to remember that there is hope. That there is hope in every single one of our lives. There is hope. The creator God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he's coming to draw us near to him tonight. To know him personally and allow him to lead you in every aspect, every area of your life. 
So back to the question, where is Christ in your life this Christmas? Where is Christ in your life this Christmas? Be honest with that. Where is Christ? I want to look at three aspects. Christ has always known about you, okay? Uh, Christ has stood uh, in your place uh, so that you could be right with him. And Christ is presenting you a decision tonight. Let's take a look at the first thing. Where is Christ this Christmas? Number one, Christ has had you in mind from the beginning. Christ has had you in mind from the beginning. Again, I don't know where you stand with God tonight, but God knows where you stand. Uh, you, you might not know a thing about God, but God knows everything about you. You see, you see, the Christmas story, we often think it begins in the manger, or maybe just prior to that, when, when the angel began to proclaim to Mary that she was going to give birth to the, to the Son of God. But actually, the Christmas story goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. In the beginning. In the beginning. Before you or I were created... In the beginning, before the heavens and the earth, in the beginning, before the universe was created, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word is here today to be celebrated. Jesus Christ is the Word, and He is the bridge that bridges the divide between us and Almighty God. Jesus was in the beginning and all things were created through him, scripture says, and apart from him, not one thing was created. Not one thing. Not a single thing was created without Jesus Christ being there in the beginning. What I love about this too is that we see that Jesus was not created. Sometimes we can think that the beginning of Jesus was in a manger. But the reality is, uh, Jesus in the manger is when God came to be among us. Jesus has always been. He will always will be. There's no beginning or no end. That makes our head kind of explode a little bit if you think about it. How could he always be? That's how amazing our God is. He does not, he's not confined to the expanse of time. And one by, word, one by one, by his word, God created this world, and it was good. God created you, and it was good. But tonight, maybe in your life, maybe not everything's good. You read that in scripture, that all of creation, it was good. We read about the peace and hope of, of baby Jesus in the manger, and it is good. But there seems like there's a disconnect, maybe, uh, in our life and the stories that we read. We see the brokenness. This world is broken, isn't it? And because of this, it's, the reason why the world is broken is because the very first human beings, they disobeyed God. And it created this domino effect that you and I, we disobey God too. We don't have to teach a young one to disobey God, right? Like, because they're disobeying you, they're disobeying everybody else. So you don't have to teach a young one to, to say no when they're supposed to say yes, right? We know that rebellion is born in our hearts. And yet, sometimes it's cute when it's a little kid. But broken relationships when you're adults, that's just not cute, is it? We know that we live in a broken world. But Jesus has come to remedy that. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. You see, darkness is the absence of light. 
But yet, you can, you can begin to light the smallest candle and it can be seen for miles. Why? Because no matter how dark it is, the moment something's lit up, you'll see it. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ is to this broken world. He created and it was good, but sin messed it up. It was a domino effect because we decided to walk away from the things of God. But yet he's offering us a chance to be made right with God. At his word, you are free. Before the creation of the world, he knew your name. He knew your story. He knew that at some point in your life, you'd want nothing to do with him. He would know every disobedience that you'd ever occur in your life. And yet he knew that he was going to be born in a manger to live, to die for you, standing in your place. Jesus said in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. When? In eternity past. He knew your name. We often hear the phrase, Jesus saves, right? Jesus saves. And I remember when I was young, I'm like, save what? Right? Is he a good saver, right? I mean, is he, uh, is he saving somebody in duress? Jesus saves humanity from the sins that separate us from Almighty God. Jesus saves. Christ, is, Christ had you in mind from the beginning, but Jesus saves, meaning that Christ came to stand in your place. This is the beauty of Christmas. Where is Christ in your life this season? Well, I want you to know the reason why we celebrate this season is because Jesus Christ came to stand in your place. Jesus saves. Saves you from what? He saves you from sin. Sin is missing the mark of God's perfection. Not one of us here this afternoon is perfect. Did you know that? Not one of us. And, and maybe you've met somebody, they thought they were perfect, Right? Maybe they, never admitted, maybe they never admitted that, but they acted like it, right? We've all met that person, like, oh, man, they just think they're perfect, right? They're not, it's not, usually not pleasant to be around somebody that has this perfect uh, uh, complex. But the reality is no one's perfect. And the beauty of that, saying that, is we can stop acting like that, right? Church should be the easiest place to admit our lives are messed up. And we need a remedy. We need a savior, right? Uh, church should be the safest place where we can admit our failings, right? So we can stop the act. But some of us, we might not admit that we're perfect or, or we're, we're not delusional to think that we're perfect. But maybe we are a perfectionist. You know what I'm talking about? You want it so good. Maybe, you are, maybe when you're putting up the Christmas lights in your house. And they're just a little crooked. And you're like, I got to go back outside, right? And you're every day. You, you took you, it took you 30 days in a row to put up the Christmas lights so they're nice and straight, but it's still not good enough, right? It could be anything in your life. You're just, it's just never good enough. You in your mind are critiquing yourself all the time. Oh, yes, some of us, we are dealing with a perfectionist mindset. It's never good enough. You, and because of that, you feel burnt out. Because of that, you just see, it just feels like something is out of reach. No one is perfect. And I want you to know this right now. That sometimes we treat God as if somehow we can prove to him our perfection. That we can prove to him our goodness. I remember uh, as kids, my mom threatened me one year with coal. Anybody get threatened with coal? Right? Yeah, just like, yeah, you've been super bad this year. You're going to get cold. And you're like, you roll your eyes like, yeah, right, right? And so, well, one Christmas, guess what? I got cold. 
I, got called, I was so mad. I was so mad, and then mom blamed it on Santa, all right? And so I never looked at Santa the same again. I'm like, you gave me coal, right? I have to tell you, though, I got coal, and then, then they laughed and gave me presents. But here's the problem uh, then with coal. Is sometimes we feel like in our life that we better do good enough or else God's going to give us coal. Right? Uh, where some of you, and maybe some of us tonight, uh, we slip into this, or maybe you're taught this in whatever religious upbringing, that somehow, that, that to get to God, you got to do good. And listen, good things are good, but good things don't get you to God. But what ends up happening is, like, I'm going to walk a, a nice old lady across the street. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to smile at everybody every day. I, I'm just going to be super nice to the strangers. I'm going to buy things for the food pantry. All these things are really, really good. But somehow, somewhere, in the, in the gist of everything, God still feels out of reach. Why? Because it feels like no matter how good I am, it's just not good enough to get to God. Why is that? Because God is perfect and God demands perfection if we're going to be right with him. Now, any one of us is perfect, which is a problem, because if we're not perfect and he's perfect and that's his standard, he's always going to be out of reach. But the beauty of Christmas is this. The beauty of Christmas is this, is we can get off the ladder. We can, we can try to stop climbing the stairway to heaven, and we can notice the baby in the manger who lived to die, to stand in your place, that when we receive him, we're made right, and our sins are forgiven. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Faith. We have all fallen short of his glorious standard. We cannot remedy this through our good works, through us trying harder, being better. We can't do this even through human religion. Some of you are in here tonight and you are burnt out on religion. But the reason why we can celebrate at Christmas isn't to add layers of religion. It's to say, you know, we've been freed by the relationship that we can have in Jesus Christ. And you know what? Some of us tonight, God has been so far away. Some of us tonight, you were, drug here, you were dragged here saying you're not going to have a Christmas Eve dinner unless you come to church. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll come, Mom, right? But I want you to know no matter where our hearts are at, woven into our DNA, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are woven together. We're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, woven together by our creator. He knew your name in eternity past. He created you and woven into our DNA is a longing to know our creator God. And yet oftentimes we try to throw into our heart this longing, a longing for something else. And yes, it will satisfy for a bit. It could satisfy for five years. It could satisfy for 10 years. But eventually you, it leaves you hanging. There's only one thing in our hearts that can satisfy that eternal longing. And it's Jesus Christ. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Did you know Jesus didn't have to come in the manger? He could have looked at humanity when he created them uh, at the beginning of creation. He could have said, you know what? You wanted nothing to do with me. We're separated. I'm perfect. My, my, my standard's perfection. You can't do that. So see ya, right? But no, he came to this earth so that you and I could have a remedy in him. 
The word became flesh. This is a miracle. Uh, doctrinally, they call it the incarnation. What that means is this. It means that the second person, the Trinity, God the Son, came to be among us. 100% God, 100% man. I know that doesn't make math, but that's the beauty of God. He, he is outside of math. He's so big. And he came not to be just an example. He came not just to provide morals or moral standard for us. He didn't come just to inspire us. Oh, Christmas is just so inspiring. No, no he came to be our Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He came for you and I to save us from something we could never save ourselves from, and that's our sin and our separation from Almighty God. Christ came to stand in your, in your place, whereas Christ in your life this Christmas. Finally, number three, Christ in the manger presents you with a decision. With a decision. Will you receive Jesus as Savior, and will you follow him? Will you follow him? There's a lot of people that have, you've gotten right with God, but there's just certain areas of your life, you're like, I'm not going to give that over to God. God wants it all tonight. He wants to lead you into what he made you for. John 1.10, he was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Did you get this? To those who did receive him, he gave the right to be the children of God. If you receive Jesus Christ in your life, you have the rights as a child of God, as a daughter of the king, as a son of the king. But if you didn't reject Jesus but receive him, you have all the benefits of being forgiven by him. By the way, to receive that word, it's not just an intellectual agreement. It's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about Jesus. I know he was in a manger. I've seen a bunch of mangers on these yards all around Kenosha. Yeah, I know about that. I know he died on a cross. I, I know he rose from the dead. I know about that. It's not about intellectual ascent. To receive means a personal welcoming of the Savior into your life. To receive is believing on his name, believing on the name of Jesus Christ that he's the name above all names. There is no other person or thing that can save you from your sins. It's a personal trust, which means that nobody can do this for you. Going to church and going through catechism or going through classes, that, that, those are good, I guess, right? And classes and learning about God. But listen, good works don't save you. It's believing that Jesus Christ did what you could not do. To receive him means trusting him to forgive you and trusting him with your life. Believe on his name. You know the name Jesus? Believing on his name? Jesus' name means the Lord is salvation. Do you believe Jesus Christ as your salvation tonight? Are you living as if you are a believer tonight? Man, Christmas brings us to a decision point, doesn't it? It's not just a token hallmark holiday that sometimes we just kind of blow right through it. Let's pause for a moment. Jesus, where are you in my life right now and he's going to say i'm right here and the thing is are we going to receive him are we going to receive him 
His purpose presents us with a choice. You can receive or reject the gift of forgiveness of Jesus Christ tonight. God created you to have a relationship with him, but we have gone our own ways, every single one of us. We're separated from Almighty God. There's nothing that we can do to bridge that separation. That's the beauty of Christmas. He came to bridge what we could not. But our sin, it's, it's, it's not something we just shrug off. Like, oh, we all sin. Listen, uh, sin is rebellion against the creator. Uh, sin is something that, again, we cannot pay that debt off ourselves. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Jesus, we can no longer have to try to act like we have it all together. We can admit to Jesus we don't have it together and we need you. We need you. We know, and listen, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you no longer have to wonder where you stand with God. You can know that Jesus Christ, when he went on the cross, he said, it is finished. Which means, guess what? It's finished. You don't, there's nothing else to add to it. When you become a son and daughter of the king, you're a son and daughter of the king, irrevocable. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we are free. Salvation's a gift. It's offered to anyone and everyone who freely receives it. When Jesus died on the cross, God poured out his judgment and wrath towards Jesus because, not because he had sinned, he was sinless. He poured out his wrath. God poured out his wrath on Jesus when he's on the cross because he was standing in place that's how much he loves us that's how much he loves us think of this your sin my sin our sin the world's collective sin was poured out on God and that one instantaneous moment on the cross and he forgave us all those who received him received that forgiveness three days later Jesus defeated death by raising from the dead death cannot hold him back and the resurrection's so key if Jesus Christ did not resurrect from the dead then we're wasting our time celebrating Christmas right Oh, we, 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 we might as well uh, celebrate Festivus, right? We might as well celebrate some kind of man-made holiday, right? If Jesus Christ didn't resurrect from the dead, we are to be the most pitied people. But the grave's empty. There are 500 witnesses, uh, movements of or the early church were willing to die uh, for the name of Jesus Christ because they saw him risen. The tomb is empty, which means Jesus wrote the check. It did not bounce. We are free when you receive his forgiveness. So how do you receive this forgiveness, church? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. For if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 10 says this. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Romans 10, 13. It says, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Listen, this isn't something I can do for you. This isn't something your mom or dad or your grandparents or your lineage or whatever. You have to personally do this to receive what Jesus Christ has for you. The salvation that he has for you, you have to personally say, Lord Jesus, I want that now. I'm placing my faith and trust in you right now. And when you receive Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Your eternity is sure in heaven. And you can begin to live a life right now what has been woven together in your DNA, a life of eternal purpose. The favor of God comes over you. Are you ready? Are you ready tonight to receive Jesus Christ as Savior? Are you ready tonight to, to open up your heart in any area you're saying no to God? Are you ready tonight to rediscover the wonder of the manger? Let's pray. As we get ready to pray, this is a moment for many of you to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to help you receive this free gift 
just as we begin to pray. So if this is your first time in church, it's okay, it's cool. Let me just help you receive what Jesus has for you. God, thank you so much that you know us, that you're not a distant God, that you're not just acquainted with us, but that you know everything about us, that you want to receive us as sons and daughters. So Lord, may we receive you. God, I pray that in your presence that there will be healing here tonight. God, I pray for those who are down and without any hope. I pray for even more, God, that your presence would be exactly what we need tonight. It is what we need, but that our hearts would realize that. So we call on you tonight, God, knowing that when we are weak, you make us strong. So as we keep praying tonight, just keep praying. Tonight, you're going to give these things over to Jesus, these hard things maybe that, that's happened this year. But I want to speak specifically, too, as we keep on praying to those that tonight, you know you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're, uns you're unsure of it. Maybe you know you've never personally done this. Tonight, I want you to know that when you cry out in the name of the Lord, when you receive Jesus Christ, we say, Jesus, I want to trust you tonight. I want to place my full trust and faith in you, in your name, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose from the dead. When you place your full faith and trust in him alone, you're forgiven. You're, 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 you have a clean slate forever. So Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for anybody that needs to place their faith and trust in you alone, that they would do that right now. You would do that right now. As we pray together, recognize there's something drawing you right now. That is, that is the Lord. You don't know what that is? I'm going to tell you what that is. If, if you feel like just something drawing, moving in your heart right now, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God reaching out to you. Right now your response is saying yes to Jesus tonight. You're saying yes that you want to place your faith and trust in him. That yes, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you. And now believe in him so that you have eternal life. By faith, you are placing your trust in him alone. Just say yes to him right now. With every head bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. Tonight, if you're like making, if you're giving your life to Jesus, you're placing your faith and trust in him alone. You're responding, you're receiving Jesus. If that's you tonight, no one looking around, we just slip up your hand up high and say, yeah, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus. I want to place my faith and trust in him alone. I want to be forgiven by him. I, I want to spend eternity in him alone. Awesome. Father, I pray for the people placing their faith and trust in you tonight. Lord Jesus, I, I pray that they would know there's no other Savior. There's no other Savior. There's no other name of which they can be saved. In fact, let me just help you. If you're placing your faith and trust in Jesus, let me just pray along with you. In fact, let's all pray together. This prayer doesn't save you. I'm just helping you communicate to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize I've done wrong, and I need you as Savior. I'm placing my faith and trust in you alone. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for raising from the dead. And help me follow you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray for everybody in this room now that they would give their burdens over to you. We have such a reason to celebrate. Where are you in this season, God? I pray that you have all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. 
If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.